Welcome to Try, Try Again with Catherine Velas, a podcast dedicated to relationships, the one with yourself and others. When I asked why they were there, Rick and Elsa both immediately and almost simultaneously said, communication. They both smiled slightly and Rick said, at least we agree on that. The smile slid from Ilsa's face and she asked, what do you mean by that? And over the course of the next 10 minutes, it was clear to me that communication, while problematic and needing work, was also symptomatic of other issues happening in the relationship. Rick and Elsa didn't argue because of poor communication. They argued because of poor emotional connection. Almost every couple that walks into my office mentions communication as one of the areas they would like to improve with their partner. But what does that mean? Wanting to improve communication in a relationship can mean wanting your partner to be more expressive with their feelings. It can mean I want my partner to pay more attention to me. I want to get my way. It can mean feeling like I want to be heard. I want my partner to empathize with my perspective. It can mean wanting to share intimacies, and it almost always means an expressed longing to be heard and seen and understood. Within the framework of a couple's relationship, there is so much that can cause disagreements or fights. Financial struggles, in-laws, how each is choosing to spend their free time, work, how to parent, how often and the quality and kind of sex, jealousy, infidelity, and trust issues, chores, even things which seem as trivial as what color to paint a room or what's the proper temperature of the thermostat. How does a couple navigate all of these possible landmines and create an environment of complete peace and connection? Well, the short answer is they don't, at least not all the time. Most couples will argue and disagree and even fight. And sometimes those arguments and disagreements are actually healthy. Just because you fight or you have repetitive disagreements about the same things doesn't mean your relationship is in trouble or that you necessarily need to seek out the services of a couples therapist. Although I do encourage couples to start therapy earlier rather than later. Studies show that most couples deal with a problem on an average of seven years before seeking outside assistance. We are busy. We think it will get better on its own. We feel nothing will help. We've tried everything. And so we give up. So when do you use a couple's therapist and why? Number one. If the fighting has escalated and there never appears to be any positive or satisfying resolution, it might be time to call a couple's therapist. How a couple handles conflict is one of the best predictors of how the relationship will go. This is based on research from John Gottman, a couple's research expert. A skilled couple's therapist will help you in dealing with conflict, including expressing your feelings around it and listening to your partner. Number two, if there has been any physical or emotional infidelity or a breach of trust of any kind, couples therapy can be relationship saving or at least a place to gain some understanding in moving forward either together or separately. Number three, 
it might be time to reach out to a couples therapist if anything emotionally painful or devastating has occurred, including infidelity, but also deaths, losses, new realizations about things, accidents, diagnoses, all manner of things that might come up that cause you to rethink your life or how you feel about things. Number four, if you find yourself giving up, if you're wondering if it's worth all the work, when one or both partners find themselves thinking they might be better off with someone else or alone, the relationship is in deep trouble. Number five, you might need to reach out to a couples therapist when you realize the sexual relationship has diminished. I always tell couples that sex is a fairly small part of a relationship when things are going well. When things are good, sex is good. And we don't necessarily worry about it or even give it that much thought other than looking forward to it. When sex is not happening or is unsatisfying or downright bad, it's a huge part of the relationship. Sex is a good barometer for most relationships. It's similar to how you might look at grades in children. When children have good grades and then suddenly their grades aren't so good, you start to wonder if there's a problem. Sex is similar. Number six, seek couples therapy when you feel you might need to. It may just be a feeling. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you suspect your partner is depressed or you are, or maybe something simply feels off. Trust that intuition. There is absolutely nothing wrong with going into a therapist's office and saying, I don't know exactly why I'm here, but I feel something's off and I need for us to explore that. So many influences drive our relational communication. Our traumas, including childhood trauma and childhood environment, learned behavior around communication, our culture, the systems in which we were raised, brain and body health issues, language, not only verbal, but body language, substance abuse and dependency, and many, many other influences. These are all things we touch on or address in couples therapy. For the purposes of this podcast, I'll provide you with a communication exercise, a template really, of how you may immediately improve your communication and increase emotional connection with one another. First, Agree on a time and a place to communicate, to practice communication, and to emotionally connect. I would encourage you to meet daily, if possible, for 20 minutes to half an hour. If that is simply not feasible, then at least three times a week for 30 to 45 minutes or more. You're setting this time to run through the template that follows, and you're going to use things that come up during the day or the week in this time together. This can be one of the most challenging aspects for couples, particularly when life is so busy and overwhelming. And it may be something that you or your partner are nervous about doing. Maybe you avoid spending alone time together because something always comes up and it never goes the way you thought it would. If you agree on a time and place and then are repeatedly canceling or making room for things that are deemed to be more important, you are absolutely disrupting emotional connection and sending the message to your partner that they are not a priority, that your relationship 
is not the priority. Often I hear parents talk about how their children's needs come first. However, I can tell you with absolute certainty that your child's dance class or sports team or even homework is nowhere near as important as providing that child with two parents who communicate well and are emotionally connected. Second, how good are you at keeping yourself calm and regulated? This is a key component in all relationships, and I often tell parents of young children this is an important practice for the parenting of teenagers, which is to come. If you find that you're escalating to anger or frustration or feeling numb or wanting to avoid to escape within seconds or minutes of starting a conversation, please refer to prior podcasts I have about calming, using yoga and breath, and self-regulation. Also, you may need to do some work with an individual therapist or together as a couple to work on self-soothing first. To check yourself and maintain your composure and not get triggered while simultaneously trying to communicate and listen is very advanced stuff. And if you have previous trauma, this may feel too difficult. And if that's the case, I highly encourage you to seek individual work. So you set a time and a date and you feel that you can engage in communication. So then third, I encourage you both to come prepared to that time together, having given some thought to what you would like to discuss with your partner. Nothing is too trivial or mundane between people who are emotionally connected. Fourth, one of you will be the speaker and one of you will be the listener. The speaker, partner one, will start with the sentence, I feel or felt, fill in the blank, because, fill in the blank. I feel happy because we're sitting here together spending time. I feel like I'm not a priority when our time together is canceled repeatedly. I feel like I'm special to you when you hold my hand as we watch TV. You begin with a simple statement, but then you can expand it as much as you feel you need to. Partner one speaks about their feelings until they have said what they need to say. This is also an opportunity to explore feelings that may have not previously been expressed. The listener's job, partner two, is simply to listen without judgment, only curiosity. The next step after partner one is finished is for partner two to then paraphrase what they heard their partner say. This may go back and forth with the speaker saying, this is what I meant, and the listener paraphrasing that back until the speaker is sure that the listener is communicating verbally what the speaker intended. This part of the exercise is very important to practice because in the midst of trying to communicate something where both or one of you is very passionate or angry or emotionally reactive, if you have not learned to calm yourself and to really listen and paraphrase, as well as not interrupt and not talk over one another and trust that there will be time to be heard, then this conversation and being heard will be much more difficult. So practicing this is paramount. Part of this practice is for the listener to somehow be able to validate what their partner is saying. When the partner is sharing positive feeling and somewhat small matters, then this may be easier to do. But when our partner is sharing strong emotions and asking us to meet their needs or make changes or think about something in a different way, it is much more challenging to validate our partner. Also, let's be clear. Validation does not mean I agree with you. It means that I hear what you're saying and I understand your perspective 
and I can understand how you feel the way you feel. It is not a matter of right or wrong. I always use the analogy of the police officer who, at the scene of the crime, has about 10 witnesses and 10 different descriptions. Perception is all based on where you stand, your past experiences, your culture, your language, what you expected to see, how your body and brain react. There's a lot that goes into it. The other piece that I believe is from a Brene Brown quote that in order to validate someone in their, and their experience, you have to accept their experience as they present it to you. Only in that way can you truly understand what they are trying to communicate. If you and I go into a jungle and a snake drops down and I'm completely terrified, which trust me, I would be, when I try to explain that experience to you, if you're completely unafraid of snakes, you may be tempted to invalidate my experience. You might ask questions like, well, what is there to be afraid of? You might tell me there is no reason to be afraid. You might be trying to calm me or find a solution or reassure me that snakes are nothing to be afraid of. All that does in the moment when I'm trying to express my fear is leave me feeling misunderstood. And it also causes me to feel there is no way you're going to understand my experience. So I won't bother sharing with you any snake experience from here on out. When the listener has paraphrased properly and has the language, it is time for the listener to validate what the speaker is sharing. In order to do that, the listener has to accept the experience of the speaker. When there has been a fight or disagreement, this can be really difficult to do. But for the moment, you're putting aside right or wrong or who truly experienced what. In this moment, your job is simply to validate your partner's perception. We know that communication is only about 10 or so percent actual language. The rest is body language and intonation and look on our face. So in this, you are going to lean forward and you're going to give constant eye contact without staring. And you're going to find compassion in your partner's perspective and express that to your partner. Let's take a very common example of a couple in a heated argument. One partner is very verbal and pressing their points. And the other partner simply has had enough and walks away out of the room this happens quite frequently, and the issues often never get resolved. If your partner has stated that when you get angry and walk out on me, I feel abandoned and alone. It reminds me of how I felt as a child when my parents punished me by leaving me alone. It is terrifying, and I worry that you won't come back. In order to validate that, you might have to, as the listener, go to a place where you have previously felt abandoned and alone. So in this eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, head-to-head language of validation, start with paraphrasing. I heard you say, when I get overwhelmed and I leave an argument without a word, it reminds you of when you were a child and you feel I'm abandoning you and I might not ever come back. And then the language of validation is something like, and when I hear you say that, it really hurts my heart. It's something I hadn't considered before. In those moments when I'm so angry, all I can think about is avoiding the argument and getting away from it, but I have not considered how it might feel like 
rejection and abandonment to you. That must feel so awful. Imagine how that might feel to hear from your partner who is always seeming to walk away. What if that realization allowed space in the conversation for the listener now to become the speaker and share that he walks away not because he's rejecting or abandoning, but because he's simply overwhelmed and in those moments feels he can't think straight or doesn't have the language and steps away instead of saying something he would regret. How different might both partners now feel having communicated successfully and even more importantly, emotionally connected to one another? When you hear me say, I feel abandoned or rejected or overwhelmed or uncertain, you might not know my exact experience, but the feelings are universal and you can validate that you have felt that at times as well. In this exercise, this is not about fixing or deciding how to change things, or correcting, or even reassuring one another. It is solely about listening to your partner and validating their experience. Through that comes emotional connection. But it starts with setting time aside, making one another a priority, listening and validating. Maybe always end with a hug and a kiss and perhaps even a thank you, gratitude that you were both willing to give time to one another and recognize the importance, the priority of this relationship. And lastly, I just want to take a moment to ask if you're in a relationship that is abusive or dangerous, I strongly encourage you to find a safe place for you and for your children or other family members that might be exposed to any abuse or danger. These exercises are meant for couples that are struggling but not where there is abuse occurring that makes this kind of vulnerability even more dangerous. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at katherinecampbellas.com. Have a week filled with meaning and love and emotional connection.